Hi, this is Betsy Beers. I'm the executive producer of Grey's Anatomy, Scandal, and How to Get Away with Murder. And this is Shondaland Revealed, the official podcast for Shondaland and the TGIT night Thursdays on ABC. It's official. It's a podcast. Anyway, I'm going to stop babbling and introduce you to my guest this week, who's super, super, super nice of him to come in on his day off. We actually just came from a table read for a very glamorous episode of The Future, which you guys uh, don't need to know anything about, except it's pretty awesome. <laughs> and um, he's here, and he's one of my favorite people in the world, Charlie Weber. Hello. Who plays, of course, Frank on How to Get Away with Murder, who's a very shady character. Very shady guy. And the great thing about Charlie Weber is Charlie Weber isn't as shady as Frank. I'm a nicer guy than He's Frank. He's a super, super nice guy. Nice okay, guy. as is tradition, I'm going to describe to you what Charlie's wearing today because it's key. Okay, Charlie's casual today. Normally, Cash. We, normally we see Frank suited up, ready mm-hmm. for business, Three piece, or ready for, um, ready for business. You know, ready to dispose of a body or something. Bodies, right? to evidence, work, tampering, evidence tampering, jury tampering, tampering something whatever. along those things. Exactly. But whatever felony. He's wearing felony a du jour. baseball cap backwards. What does it say on your uh, baseball this cap? This is uh, from the. Oak Highlands Brewery in Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas, a good mm-hmm. place for a brewery. Perfect. Hard word to say. Brewery. And you're wearing a t-shirt, which yes. is a gray t-shirt with a large tiger yeah, on it Missouri, for the Missouri Tigers. University of Missouri Tigers. Now, are you um, from the University of Missouri? I went there. I played football. The so there's a thematic link between yeah, you and the t-shirt. There is. Which is good. It's, it's not just a it's random t-shirt. It's not just t-shirt. something I found. This is So you guys, he's wearing an authentic t-shirt an authentic from his own t-shirt. life. Authentic hat. It's my brother-in-law's brewery. Brother-in-law's brewery. This is a great plug for brother-in-law's there brewery. There you have it. Oak Highlands Brewery. Oak Highlands Brewery, plug you guys. On, uh, if you're ever in that area of Texas, you should check yeah, it out. In Dallas, grab a good beer. And some um, sort of, I would say, distressed gray distressed cords. Distressed would be lightly putting it. Uh, I've had these cords for... Uh, five or six years, and I five wear them on years. a regular basis. And I'm there's say, not much corduroy left. It, there's sort of a cord-free cord. It's a cord-free cord. It's a cord-free cord, and um, some flip-flops. Some yeah, some rainbows. Some rainbows. Most comfortable flip-flops in the world. Really, I really. I go through about a pair a year, and that's saying it, something because they're very sturdy. You guys, I'm hoping the folks who make the rainbows are listening so, because free, free I know beer, I could use free a pair rainbows. of rainbows. I, everyone in Shondaland, free rainbows for everybody. Come on, you guys, because I I love they're me a great. pair of really really. Secure flip flops. Yeah. And I come here and I put on my wing tips and then I put my flip flops back on and I go home. <laughs> do you like getting all dressed up in the wing tips and the suit and stuff? I do. I love it. A character's physical appearance is very important to me. I think it says a lot. Uh, you know, first impressions really are a thing. And oh, and I something I did want to bring up is uh, my beard is very popular. And it was a very important character choice for me, even though that may seem silly. It was very important to me that Frank had sort of this full beard, I think it sort of symbolized, it's a visual cue that maybe you shouldn't trust this guy, or maybe you can, who knows. Or, you um, know, it's something to hide behind. And it, it is. It's a bit of a mask in a lot of ways. It and, absolutely um, is. When we shot the pilot, you 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 championed the beard uh, with I the was, network, I was who were not very, so thrilled about it. Very large champion of the beard. And, I'm uh, going to take credit for this, you guys. You should take credit for it. And they, I was they, massively pro-beard. They allowed me to have it, and I think it's gone great, and it's something that, that now... I don't think anyone could, even Pete has said he can't envision Frank without it. You can't, because the beard is, and I've got to say, just, you know, in, in pure truthfulness, we trimmed the beard a little, as I remember. The, the we, beard got a little trimmed, it did, because it, got, it was a little scraggly. Nice, there's a little, we, we, we tightened it up a bit. I put right now, a lot just more so you guys can picture it. what's going on, um, 
Charlie is touching his face touching and my kind face of and sort of giving us some indications as to where as the beard it's my lines day were. Off, it's yes. just it's living free. There's no wax or no brush has been run you through. You guys, it today. His, his beard is living a full, healthy, free life. Free life, off. free of free of. Your wax beard is relaxing. Today. It's relaxing. It's it's day off as it's well. It's a day off. It's, it's a day off for my beard. Got a special day off yeah. too. Although your beard came in for the table read as well. You did. And gave a great performance. Well, he has to come. It's Frank's beard, so Frank has to wear the beard to the table read, or else I can't be in character. Charlie, you just can't peel it off when you get home. I put. I do. I have a little mannequin head of myself <laughs> and I'd peel it off and put it on that and then the next morning. So it's a little bit like taking your wig off. It's a lot like slightly. that. Yeah. Now, We're going to do that. It's going to be my Annalise Keating moment. I'm going to sit shaving, down and just take, pull, it, yeah, just pull it off. Just a big, big shaving. <laughs> does your wife like your beard? She does. Char- like I get Charlie's newly married to a beautiful woman who's lovely. She's and a beautiful woman. When I met they were affianced and then they actually tied the knot after on the pilot. Hi- right? we, we got engaged after the pilot That's and, right. and got uh, married uh, on hiatus before we came back for season two. Which was very tasteful. It was beautiful. So how does she feel about the beard versus no beard? I think she likes it. She definitely doesn't dislike it. She dislikes Frank tremendously. <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, wait. Does she dislike Frank because because it means that Charlie is away from her for long periods of time? No, or does she like, I, dislike uh, Frank because Frank might be questionably moral, morally well, she, if, oriented? Not even about the show. Just Frank is always around the house a fair amount. It's me a lot, but then it leads over to Frank, it. and then Frank is around the house doing his stuff and like getting into character. And, and uh, so what do you, he's what not do you, as he's what not. What do you do? Do you like? Collect fake evidence when you. I mostly like, just walk character? around the house talking to myself. Okay, because I think Frank's got a big inner life. It, big, very <laughs> a lot of inner turmoil. A lot of this. A lot, of, a lot of me holding up my hand to my wife, and 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 because she doesn't understand that there's a lot going on inside my head that she can't hear. Well, I think there's definitely a battle between Charlie and Frank. There is. At that there, point. Is, there is. See, and I find it's interesting because after last season, obviously there was quite a moment when everybody realized that Frank had killed Lila. Yeah. The, the overall reaction, both on Twitter and then after, with people like family members stopping him and going, but that Frank, he's such a nice kid. Yeah. Like, that Frank, what a nice guy. And you I'm know, like, I always tried to ride I the still line think of, he's a nice guy. Uh, he I is. I still love I mean, Frank. You know, Frank just completely compartmentalizes everything completely. Yeah, I Each get that. moment of his life is a different lifetime in and of itself. I have a couple of different television shows that I work on. I find that it's healthy to compartmentalize Well, it's things. a lot. You can't deal with all this all the time. No, you can't. And the thing about Frank is, Frank works for somebody mm-hmm. like he works for somebody he takes that very seriously which frank means he's a company man he is and he does a job and i think whatever's going on in frank's head which i think we're going to learn more we are going to learn season. more and i'm excited about that but but yes he is and he's good at it and he he gets a certain sense of value from being so good at this and not not necessarily murder even though he is good at that too but just when I do plant evidence, when I do tamper with a jury and not get caught, and he's just he's just good at crime. <laughs> See, I think I think he has a natural bent for some of this stuff, but I do think it comes out of I think he's very utilitarian and super practical about things. And I'm super curious about his relationship with Sam. As am I'm I. I'm still super As curious, am I. you guys. And that's like, something you know. We're still here. We are. Uh, you know, shooting. We're shooting ahead of what we're going to talk about today. But, but you know, I really, I really am looking forward to kind of finding that out. We've and, and we've peeled back some layers, and we've we seen have. some of Frank. And I, and you know, it's a slow burn. I think it's going to take a long time to really unravel such a such a uh, complicated, complicated psyche. Dude. But we're we're giving tidbits, and I'm really excited, and I want more. Which is, you know, people stop me a lot and they want to know Frank and they want to know and you're like, my, why he's like this. Your guess is and, as good as mine, too. Well, you know, and I have my stuff, but then Pete will throw me, a, Pete Nowak will throw me a, a, quite a curveball uh, <laughs> from time to time. But, you know, that's the fun of it. If you have a complete character, 
and uh, I can kind of swing him in whatever direction I need That's to. That's the thing. Is I, think, I think one of the keys to playing parts on these shows is, given the way that Pete tends to work, I think you have to be somewhat agile because it's not like on, your, on these shows, and you guys know this, it's, it's true on the Shonda-created shows too, is I think the backstory very often is a little more fluid. Like mm-hmm. it changes and it sort of transmogrifies as the actor starts to fill the part and you start to see different things emerge as character relationships mm-hmm. and stuff. And, you know, I think what's great is you have always sort of just rolled with the punches. I mean, my memory was like until right before the table read of the finale, you it was not totally clear to you that you had actually conducted the final blow. No. Um, And, you know, what's interesting is that I was sort of riding this fine line all of season one where I didn't want people to be able to pin Frank as good or bad. Yeah. Uh, So I was doing shady stuff, but then I was uh, kind of a nice guy to this person or that. Super nice. A super nice guy. And, um, you know, from the neighborhood and and just a a good guy uh, from the streets pulled himself up and had a good job. Yeah. Had a good job. But, you know, unbeknownst to Pete or anyone, I, Frank had, before Lila had killed someone before. In my inner this, dialogue. This is, and, this is in your inner dialogue. Uh, and, and the story that I gave Frank, this was not the first time he'd killed someone. Interesting. And so I played the entire season as a murderer. Well, look at that. You were totally ahead of everybody. How you all do it, I will never know. I'm consumed completely by the one guy. And you all have 33 <laughs> characters to, to... Well, Pete, God bless him, has how many? Ten? Ten. And, you know, and now, you know, all the guests, I mean, he's 15 he's people sometimes. He's constantly figure all this stuff out. But that's really interesting because what it did, I can tell you for, from our standpoint what happened when he sort of announced that this was, in fact, what happened. What was really fun was we went back and looked at all the clips of you. Like, mm-hmm. we were able to pull stuff up and it all made sense. Like, it all tracked incredibly well. Yeah. So that's what was really, really fun. Yeah. And, in fact, thank God you were playing the subtext. But, but I was, also, but, but you that's give us... I really was us, playing that subtext the entire time. I, I remember episode 11, Marsha Gay Harden's character... I, I offered to kill her. I do the line, that. The line was, you know, I'll handle it. But my intention was that was an offer to murder her. Well, what's funny is, also Annalise is constantly saying, you don't have to kill her, Frank. What I love about this world, it's the immediate assumption is everyone's killing everybody, which is that great moment at the end of the season finale, which, you know, we resolve in episode one, which is... Did you kill her? I thought you killed her. I thought you killed her. You know, Which and, is but but we're so brilliant as either one of us could have killed her because we're liars. Totally. Even to each other, you know, as close as Annalise and Frank and Bonnie are, we all have secrets from each other. But you and Bonnie, I mean, you would need a freaking detective and a group of like grad students to track the complexity of when you guys are telling each other the truth or not. And then like in this episode, all you're trying to do is make her feel better because you've been in that position with Annalise too, yeah. like you all have, yeah. which is where you're in the doghouse. And the worst mm-hmm. thing in the world is to be in the doghouse with Annalise That's Keating. True, yeah. And plus, given what we discovered that Bonnie did in episode one, joined the throngs of- Joined the uh, club. She joined, joined the club. Exactly. And, uh, and, she and, did the uh, initiation right. And in flashbacks was- was super cold and calm about it. It was great. I thought she was so great in that scene. She was scene. so awesome. But now Bonnie's really in the doghouse. Frank's really the guy who seems to be steering the ship. You know, Bonnie and Annalise can really go off on a tangent when something goes wrong. And Frank tries to find this balance, just balances, cover everything up and get them to sort of work together. I remember that we were getting pretty deep into the season last year. And there's a scene where like, I'm trying to get Bonnie to stop crying in the kitchen. And then Annalise yells at me from the front door. So I go out to Annalise. I'm trying to tell her that I I did the thing she asked. Everybody just needs to relax. And uh, so it's it's, it's a fun, it's a really fun part to play. It's a good family. It is a family dynamic. And that's screwed up 
up family. A really, really screwed up family, but that's what's so cool about it is it is a family in this house of horrors that we oh, live in. It is, in. and it's like, and what I love about Annalise is she just breaks down and needs help, and that makes her incredibly human and vulnerable. Absolutely. And then you just have to like drive in and, and mm-hmm. look, there were moments where, uh, you know, the character that Marcia Gay Harden was playing, I think we all wanted to kill her. Well, she was really nosing around. She was really nosing she around. Was she problem. was just sticking her nose. And she was a problem. Those people coming in in their white booties. They're that, like, was a, in, like, that was a rough day. That was bad. We that were all standing day. outside thinking this is not good, staring at the big bloody I spot was inside the watching them do it, trying, to, right. trying to steer them away from around the, the, the house the, the, and away from the stairs. Staircase, and, yeah. right? Oh my God, so good. Okay, now there are two other favorite moments in this episode for me with you. One is... The nice lady who calls you butter. Yeah, that was, yeah, she's great. She was fantastic. Yeah, well, so. Well, Frank gets around. One of the better nicknames, actually, I got to say, I've heard in a long time. And you can think, I mean, and you, you, you can, you think know, you can let your mind race with exactly. that. Exactly. Go with butter. Yeah, and go with butter. It's a, it's, it's a great moment, though, in the car where he just goes, yeah. Yeah. That stuff has happened. And the other is the great scene with Laurel where it's pretty much like, really, you think I'm just a booty call, which is why we like Frank. Because I really, Frank has you know, a damn spy in all this. He does. And, you know, he's an unbelievably complicated guy. And we only are still at the tip of the iceberg of what he is. And uh, I, I absolutely adore that scene. I actually got to see it. Uh, standards and practices uh, got me on that scene. So I had to go do a bit of an ad line uh, uh, yes. at the ADR. So I went to the ADR session and uh, had to add something, which yeah. Quite frankly, I didn't think made it that much cleaner, but if they like it, I like it. Um, uh, Yeah, it's a great scene. I really do love it. I love the Laurel and Frank dynamic because neither of them really can totally suss out who the other one is. Laurel's pretty tricky, too. Well, that's the attraction. She's very complicated and messy and just impossible to pin down. So I think Frank is very intrigued by her. She sees a similar interesting kind of darkness. But Frank's point is, like, don't just treat me like a bad boy, which I think is yeah. no, super, I mean, He's super a lot smart. of things. He's, he's that, but he's also a million other things. Well, and I feel like right now, too, this beginning of the season, we're in such a complicated landscape because we've got the case with Nate going on, yeah. which is just a crap show of massive proportion. Yeah. And Annalise really got it handed to herself this episode because getting called up on the stand by essentially your ex-girlfriend and then excoriated in front of the yeah, jury she, was yeah that was hard was really really nobody's idea of a really happy day at the beach and what the heck is going on with those damn Hapstall kids I don't know I don't know what to make of either of them come on um, like I, I mean you know right when you think and again that's the show for you but like right when you think oh they're just a couple of innocent kids something happens there's just a twinkle in their eye that makes something you think, weird there's something weird about both just of them just off about it but then you know I, the cops are like hiding crap like there's that's a shock right well I, yeah and then what is this now it's every time you turn around there's some new thing to no, do no and with. there's that there's that emily sinclair i'm not a fan frank is not a fan of frank of is not emily a fan sinclair. of emily sinclair i find emily sinclair delightful to watch though she is because she really really she's a little bit like a suffragette or like a crusader you know and it's like 1925 and she thinks everyone should stop drinking right she always has <laughs> this incredibly like this this look of moral rectitude on her face which i find she does and and i i mean i'm i hope this doesn't come off wrong but like, please I, this is the place for I, things to come um, off wrong i love that we're the kind of show where you're rooting for the bad guys <laughs> i mean she's like she is she's this crusader for truth and justice and we all want her dead we do and by the way i don't think we are the bad guys because no. i'm married to a criminal defense attorney That's true, see? and so, i'm a big fan so i feel like uh I feel like if the one thing standing between like the loaded scales of justice is whatever the heck you kids are doing, you go. I mean, from a legal standpoint, Annalise Keating needs to exist. I was more referring to all the bodies under the stairs. Oh, gee, you think? (laughs) (laughs) 
Hey, there haven't been that many. Well, you know, I I literally was I was you can't see me now. I understand this podcast, but I'm counting on my hands. He's counting on his hands. I was doing that at home, and I was trying to figure out exactly how many bodies we have that have not been yet dealt with. Frank's got a lot on his plate. He does. He's got a very. You know what he has? Frank is sort of an all-you-can-eat buffet. All-you-can-eat buffet. Just a lot of stuff on Frank's plate. There's a lot. And you know what else I'm kind of like troubled by and like excited by is this whole like eggs 911 thing. Yeah, eggs 911. That's going to start. That's up. that's that's some see and it's like you got Michaela at a bar. She gets turned down by a dude and then she starts poking around her phone. Poking around her phone. Leave Who is it this? be. Who like, is this? Yeah, leave it be. And then the ultimate like what the hell is going on is the flash forward. So Annalise is dying on the floor of the mansion. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what to make of this. And then. My best friend, Emily Sinclair. What the hell? Yeah, so that's okay with me. Frank's fine. <laughs> Frank's fine with that. And you know, what's funny, Frank that was... That worked out well for Frank. Frank was pretty excited about Rebecca being out of... I mean, that was, a, that was great for us. She knew a lot. She, I mean, she knew I'm a lot. I'm laughing because Charlie is so filled with zest when he talks about the subject that I'm not actually... I'm not surprised at all that your wife gets troubled when you come home. She gets a little troubled, yeah. You know that we have this conversation with Guillermo, too, all the time. Oh, I'm sure. Scandal. Who Who is... And as nice of a guy as I am, oh, no one's nicer than you guys Guillermo. Are, you guys could yes. have a nice off. I mean, I, we could, and, but he, I think he'd edge me out. What a Guillermo great guy. Guillermo is just the nicest guy he ever. He is just the kindest person. We've had long conversations about, so Guillermo, how do you kind of decompress after this? And mm-hmm. he was just sort of like, yeah. You do. You do. You go home and there's a period of time in which you just decompress and... Mm-hmm. You go back to your life, and it's like, wow, that's yeah, a thing. Yeah, those moments stick with you. I mean, you know, the Lila thing was, it was just so surreal to be in that moment with her. And then, but that's always going to be something that happened. And and I, I, I remember seeing Megan West, who who played Lila Stangard, months later. And, and it was just so, all that came rushing back when yeah, I was yeah, talking yeah. to her. And it was really, really interesting. But yeah, that's uh, it stays with you. It's an interesting responsibility to be, I would say, the first revealed premeditated murder on yeah. how to get away with murder yeah it, it was or if not premeditated I, slightly and, and meditated again, i don't know if i should be proud of this but i was thrilled i really thought <laughs> i really <laughs> no wait do people like stop you on the street and go like yeah way to go frank well people you know it because that's the tone of the show people love the show and they love i mean it's a show about murder you're not watching it if you're not intrigued by these the title kind of says it all it's in the title people <laughs> exactly this show is not called a musical comedy no, about cats no this yeah. is uh this is a show about murder. So it was sort of, I mean, oddly flattering to be the first murderer. Yeah, you know, I would sort of feel the same way, I think, if mm. I were you. It's kind of like you got earmarked in a very, very special way. Nice, which yeah. I think is, uh, it meant a lot to me. Do you want to talk a little bit about what the audition process was like, since we haven't talked about this on a podcast before? Oh, okay. You, when you read the part, did you know that this was right for you? Yes. Do you? I had to. What I, kind I of went through your like, head? I, was, I had to have it. Rarely, like a few times in, in my career have I read something and thought, this is, this is just, this has to happen. I need this. It's so perfect. And I just responded to it immediately. And the pilot was fantastic. The script was incredible. It was good. And just the story was amazing. And this guy and how he played into everything, I just loved the idea of it. And so I think you all were having some trouble finding We actually, um, we we had looked at a number of fine actors, all of whom were very good, but not, did not quite strike the right Frank balance. Right. And you walked in, I remember you walking in and... Um, Allison Akel, who works here at Shondaland, mm-hmm. and Pete and I, I think, were yes. in the audition, and we all looked at each other because you like you killed it, and you're absolutely perfect. And it was one of those great moments where we looked at each other and went, "Oh, thank God!" But also, you had this weird kind of combination of being a little from little streety. You didn't quite know exactly what was going on. A little dirty. Mm-hmm. Like the whole combination was yeah. was pretty was pretty excellent. Well, you know what's so great is that I think when I when I'm talking about need, like a complete character 
unraveled to me from from when I started the script to when I finished it. I the character presented itself to me, uh, and all these nuances were organically happening as I was prepping the audition material. And I felt when I went in and in that room with you all, and it was such a and it, it was such a sort of creative feeling in that room, which is not always the case when you're when you're reading for a pilot. I remember leaving and had been a feeling. And I called my manager and said something really special. There's something really special about this this moment, this character, this script. And sure enough, it, it happened pretty quickly. I came back in there to, to read with the via Skype with Pete and uh, Michael Offer, who directed that. the pilot. And That's that right. was, again, unlike any test for a pilot I'd ever done, because it was just the creative side. And that's that's really rare. And you know, and Linda Lowe is amazing. Linda's great. Linda's the best. Always has been so good to me. And she's 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 so the best. She really she's is. She's just the best. When it comes to ensemble casting, I think she literally is the best ever. Now, a question for you too is: You seemed pretty intent on the idea that Wes killed Rebecca for yes. the longest time, right? And I think now you're really super obsessed with who killed Rebecca. Why do you think Frank is so obsessed with that? Given the fact that he's killed people himself, is it? Is it a professional it. curiosity? It's, it's, it's his need to have all the information. He's not upset she's dead. He just would like to have the information of who did it. So he's got all the, all the cards and he can figure exactly. out how to play them. And you, as this character, you spend a lot of time listening and lurking. It's a huge part of the job. It is. How is that described in the scripts, would you say? Frank is also there. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's, ex- That's exactly right. Like, the way this works, you guys, is the scripts come out... And it's like Connor, Michaela, Wes, yeah. Earl are standing there, which is like, you know, the Keating Five. Frank is also standing Frank by. Frank is also there. It's also uh, and like, no, there's, Frank there's is in the scene as well. scenes matter. And it's really funny to have to prep a scene where I don't talk. But it still matters because I'm listening to everything being said and calculating what is happening and how I can use this to our advantage versus someone else's. It's, you know, it's so true because it's, I've said to Pete in the past, what I really like is Bonnie is always standing in the middle of the room going, you get back to work. And you're always standing back of the room, listening to everything and mm-hmm. staring at stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like her primarily job is like this weird taskmaster who's always catching them, like with their pants down. Right. And you already knew their pants are down and you're just in the back. So I'm watching them with their pants, their pants down, trying to figure exactly. out what, if somebody's going to pull their pants up or not. Exactly. Which I think is like a genius. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got fan questions. Oh boy. I know. Erica Felton at How to Get Away with Murder Addict wants to know, how did you feel after your first day of being on set? Uh, incredible. I remember it vividly. My first scene in Philadelphia at the City Hall remember that this? we shot at um, was in the antechamber with Annalise and Bonnie. She lost hit, her crap in that she scene. She lost it on me. She was because pissed I, at you. And she feels like I screwed this up. And I, for the record, did not. I grilled the client. I had all the information. She had lied to me. She totally lied to you. And but uh, given my reputation, Annalise assumed that I, that I was off gallivanting around town and not doing my job. And when I say Annalise, I speak of, of Viola Davis, who I had revered for years, <laughs> had met her briefly before we. Sh- and then now I'm. And I remember the first take, she just tears into me. And this is literally the first day of this shooting. This is the first day. This is my first scene. I, I remember this. And, and it's like Viola's like third the, scene, I think. I had this moment of pure joy that I was actually in this situation and then settled into it and did the scene. But I, there was, there was a, a moment where, where I, I sort of just let it settle in. It's pretty great. But um, elated. I couldn't believe I was working with Viola Davis. We were in Philadelphia. We had a scene outside, as I remember. Oh, and then freezing. we came and it was freezing. 
And we came inside into this thick, and I remember sitting and watching this. And the original scene, I think you kicked a chair. I did, and we we shot it. I we just didn't use it. We didn't I end did. up I using broke the chair. kicking. I think you did break after a chair. After she yelled at me. Um, and then Bonnie just kind of looks like Bonnie, like yeah. how the hell did I get in this situation? Yeah. <laughs> just great. Which is so great. And it was yeah, all the relationships really took shape immediately. Yeah, they did. It's the part the dynamic actually worked incredibly well. Hashtag Hayes will win at TGIT Fangirl 13. Mm. She wants to know three things or four things, really. I okay. can make them all one big... We'll see what happens. And I'm assuming Fangirl's a fangirl, but if you're a fan guy and your name is Fangirl, that's cool, too. Frank, what was his favorite subject in high school? Frank did not take school particularly seriously, but he got through it. He's a fairly smart guy. He actually enjoyed English. English? Yeah, not a math guy. Not a math uh, guy. We have a few things in common, but uh, he, he's, he's a reader. A lot of people probably don't know that. Okay, now what about Charlie Weber? Charlie Weber also enjoyed English, but as an athlete, I always did look forward to, to uh, there were two classes. I took as many like classes in this vein as possible. So I had PE, but I also had body sculpting, which is just where I'd go lift weights for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys clearly, and Charlie still lifts weights. And I, and I enjoy the, the weightlifting. Same, same Hazel Wynn. Yeah. Uh, when did you start acting? I moved to New York when I was 19. Started studying there. Did a lot of student uh, films at uh, NYU and SV, oh my SVU. God, I remember and the, the student films in NYU. The thesis ones are like a half hour. It's a they, real production. It's a real production. It's man. really great to get involved. Excellent on the, training. On, uh, if you're going to make mistakes, that's where you do it. That's where you. you I value <laughs> the that. The two so places much. to make mistakes are there in SVU because yeah. SVU for a long time was the only place you could work. Yeah. In New York. SVU is great. It's the best. It and like, I used to do. You know, I used to go to a director that I knew that taught one of the classes I went to at Stella Adler. He taught a directing class at SVU and he would I would go and these young budding directors would write these scenes and they would they would practice directing and I would be one of the actors that that would go there and we'd be given a scene and then they would practice directing and it was that was also a very valuable experience for me and so you guys know Stella Adler is one of probably the top three acting schools in New York there was like Herbert Berghoff and Uta Hagen and Stella Adler and Lee Strasberg mm-hmm. were sort of the originals. Fantastic. That was the actor studio. And I, you know, and it's funny as much as I love Stella Adler's teachings. Everyone you just named, I've taken things from. I figured um, that such because when you're yeah. in New York, you sort of end up with a. You do. You kind of bounce around bounce and you meet you. other people that studied somewhere else, and, and you, you like check something it out. they're doing. And it's just it's uh, it was exactly. it was a great time. And then luckily started working pretty quickly, so I moved here when so I was twenty one. So what's 21. what's your favorite movie and food? My favorite movie is True Romance, which was... Uh, Interesting choice. Yeah, directed by Tony Scott, but yep. written by Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino. And I just think it's, it's just, I think it's an incredible movie. You know, is it Citizen Kane? Probably not, but it's but my really favorite movie. Well, it spoke see. completely to me and is a huge reason why I'm an actor, honestly. Uh, that movie, and honestly, a lot of, you know, Quentin Tarantino and Martin Scorsese are responsible for me wanting to be an actor. Well, I, I'd like to say that I think I can see... Uh... A little bit of both of them in Frank. Thank you. Right? Yeah, you know? I really know Frank. Would, I think Frank, Frank, Frank would have fit right on in there. And, and that's another, you know, it really spoke to the things that turned me on as an actor when yeah. I read the this guy because I knew the potential of what he could be. Totally. And Hazel Wynn also wants to know what's your favorite food. I, when I'm splurging, love yeah. either like fresh in-house made pasta or uh, just a nice cheeseburger. Good choice. Yeah. Okay, Hazel Wynn, great Sadly, questions. it's mostly chicken breast and vegetables. I was but just about to say, that's good too. If you, good if you too. look at Charlie Weber, you know that Charlie Weber doesn't have too many vices when it comes to food. What do you think Frank's favorite food is? Uh, Frank, Frank's like, Frank likes sugar. 
<laughs> which <laughs> we, which we covered today. Well, actually, you'll see in an uh, upcoming see episode. You'll see a certain episode. Frank, Frank likes, he eats junk food. He eats whatever he wants. And you know what's great about TV? Frank has this body yeah. that he can eat whatever he but wants. But he can eat whatever he wants. I love television. That's, me too. That's, that's part of the beauty of, of being able to exist in these fictional worlds where anything's possible. Even though we, we are rooted in a realistic world, Frank can eat whatever he wants and look the way he does, and I just love things like that. See? Well, now, we talked about a couple. Betty G and Beatrice also asked about, you know, your reaction to what happened when you found out that you killed Lila. Caro at iCaro, I just acted that out for you, which I thought was pretty Lovely. meaningful. Um, what would Frank have done if Laurel was the one who killed Rebecca? Well, you know, Frank was kind of on fire about that because he has genuine feelings for her and the repercussions of that are what he feared. And then also, I, I also am very curious because I don't know what Annalise wants to do when she finds out or if it's going to be different, you know, she protects Wes, but what if she thinks we need to get rid of the person that killed Rebecca? And then, you know, I'd be at odds with myself of having to do anything to Laurel. Now, Mary at Murder Gladiator wants to know, if you could be any Shondaland character other than Frank, who would you choose? You know, and you can even say just murder if you want, because I, don't th- I think it's tough to watch all the shows when you're working it is. so hard. It is. My wife watches Scandal, so I'm pretty familiar. Uh, I've seen many episodes. <laughs> uh, most, in fact, because she, wa- I mean, she okay. watches religiously. God bless her. Uh, oh, she's, I hope she likes my show as much, but, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. Big Olivia Pope fan. So I guess you, your, all? your character, you'd probably choose to play Olivia Pope then. I think Olivia Pope, then my wife would really like that. I think that's a fine, fine answer. And George on iBeeb team, how to get away with murder. If you could play any other character, who would it be? Uh, they're a huge fan, by the way. I see you on Twitter. What was that handle? George at iBeeb team. iBeeb team. Get a lot of lovely tweets from that, George, that handle. George, thank, so thank you so much so, for responding. for being such a big fan. See, it's like... Um, you make our jobs you really do much more it's, pleasurable it's, yeah. so we have great fans and that's one of them even though i never respond to anybody you know i like <laughs> it's you. tough too it's tough too but don't think I, we don't see you so don't, what do you I think just, it, i i wouldn't mind playing nate to try to figure out how he feels about getting kicked around the way Dude, he does right i don't know how he handles that i, love I don't me know some how nate. he puts up with it or does it or the love that he feels for Annalie. but like to examine that as an actor and go as deep as i think i go with frank as nate I, it would be really interesting to find out the psyche of, of, of why he allows this to be. I think that's a really interesting answer. And Erica Felton at How to Get Away with Murder Attic wants to know, is Frank attracted to Annalise in any way, do you think? You know, it's a very maternal thing, and, and we'll get into some stuff as, as we get through this. But, um, you know, something I really do want to examine is, is sort of this seemingly blind loyalty that he has to her, but it comes from a very rooted, real place. It's an intriguing question because the answer's not n- yes or no, per se. It's, it's, it, he's attracted to her in many ways on many different levels. Yeah, it's, um, not, it's not super straightforward. It's not just super straightforward. But clearly there's some sort yes, of bond yes. between the there's two of them. There's an enormous yeah. bond. Um, and final question from one of our favorite perennials, Bobblehead Lives. Hi, Bobblehead. Awesome. Bobblehead's amazing and um, manages to work yet still absorb a lot of television and is an incredible fan and pays amazing attention. That's awesome. To so many different shows on TV and always ask the most creative questions. Not the most, because you guys all have very creative questions, but they're, they're certainly up there. They're up there. Um, so Bobblehead wants to know, if you could breathe underwater, um, where would you go or what would you do? Because I guess that I would, would mean traveling would be pretty easy if you I could mean, breathe underwater. Yeah, if I could breathe underwater, I would go to you know these beautiful locations where there's these ornate caves Underwater caves. You would be doing the underwater caves. I do underwater caves because there's not a chance I'm doing that now. (laughs) And so I'd like to see what's in there. 
and that's I and I'll never know unless too. unless I can breathe underwater. I'll never know what's in those caves. There's no point if it's something you could have done anyway. See, I, w I would have said possibly if I could breathe underwater, I could go from like underwater bar to underwater bar at different hotels, That'd which would also be kind of fun too. Because I could swim from like that one in the Caribbean where you can like dive up and get stuff and then go back down. I'd probably surf bigger waves too. You pro see? Because uh, the fear factor of drowning would go away. Notice I go for consumption and you go for like adventure. Yeah. <laughs> which is us in a nutshell, probably. Yeah. It's yeah. like amazing. <laughs> Look, thank you then so much. Then I'll meet mu you at the bar. No, you can meet me at the I'll bar. I'll meet you at the bar. You can meet me at the bar. That would be good. And then you could go Tell on and do caves. something incredibly Take bold. a drink with me into the cave. Um, thank you so much for doing this, Charlie. It is I my really, pleasure. really appreciate it. It's so much fun to spend a little bit of time it with you. It was nice. This is fun. The main thing I get to see these guys is at the table reading. I'm always like a starved, a little starved child. I'm like, <laughs> how are you guys? How are you guys? How are you guys? It's sort of sad. Yeah. But thank you, because this was really fun. I this think we learned fun. a lot, a right? Yeah, we learned a lot. Exactly. Next week. There is more TGIT. I know you guys aren't fully surprised at that, but I hope you're happy. Next week on ABC on Thursday night, we have a new episode of Grey's Anatomy. We have a new episode of Scandal. We have a new episode of How to Get It With Murder. The Grey's Anatomy episode is called I Choose You. It's another fantastic brand new episode that you don't want to miss on Thursday, October 8th. That's 8 to 9 p.m. Next time on Scandal, the show is called Paris is Burning. There's a lot of very high stakes in this episode, so you do not want to miss it. That's Thursday, October 8th, 9 to 10 p.m. on ABC. Um, next time on How to Get Away with Murder, a puzzling yet amazing title, which will be explained in the body of the show, because as you know, How to Get Away with Murder's titles are always incorporated into the show. And the title is, it's called The Octopus. And wait till you see what we're talking about, <laughs> because it's really going to be quite something. And if your brain went someplace, uh-huh. It's where it's it going. It should go there. You're right. That will be uh, Thursday, October 8th, and that's 10 to 11 p.m. on ABC. Thank you for following all of our Shondaland shows on the various social platforms. And for getting caught up, you might want to watch the show on ABC.com or watch the ABC app. And please don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes.com backslash Shondaland. Also, thanks to Entertainment Weekly for the first listen which will be available to you almost immediately after we air. So thank you very much, EW. We really, really, really appreciate your support. So we're going to be back again next week with another amazing listen to Shondaland Revealed with another great guest, probably next week from Scandal. So don't forget to listen. In the meantime, have a safe week. Take care of yourselves. Look forward to tuning in again. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.